What up? It's your boy Tony Sumo coming to you with another episode. But before I get down with my guest, let me get my plugs out of the way. Go to dirtycleaneats.com. Check out the product there. You can find them on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, YouTube, and listen to their podcast, the DCE Pirate Radio Podcast on iTunes. Now, use the code DCE Tiny Sumo for 10% off in store now. And check out fightkingdom.com. You can search for the Tiny Sumo Tea in the products tab, or you can follow the link in my bio. You can find Fight Kingdom on Facebook and Instagram and use the code Tiny Sumo for 10% off in store with those guys as well. And while you're online, do your boy a favor, check him out on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, iTunes, subscribe, like, share, follow, all those sort of things. Leave a five-star review, tell your friends, tell your family, let them all know, because your boy appreciates the support and the love, but I think that's enough of a plug. So let me get down with my guest. You. Steve, how's it going, brother? Pretty good, yourself? I'm very well. Thank you very much for taking the time to have a chat. Oh, thanks for inviting. No worries at all. I look now since I posted this up too, I've had a bunch of people message me that come through Phuket Top Team at some point, and so there's some people very excited to check out this chat. They say that you're a fantastic person, and they're excited. So uh, I'm glad we could get on and get a chat going. I appreciate it. All right, cool. So look, I don't know if you've checked out any of the chats, but before we get talking about anything, obviously, world champ. 70-odd fights, kickboxing Muay Thai, and the must fight, which I want to talk about too, because that's a very interesting little sort of uh, segue into striking. But before I get talking about that, yeah, I like to get a, I like to get a little bit of a backstory. I like to find out how people got involved in fighting, and especially people who have made the moves. They've packed up and they've uh, set themselves up in another country, yourself being over in Thailand. I like to find out how that happens. So if you could, can you take me back to the start and tell me how you got involved in fighting in the first place? Uh, actually, when I got uh, involved in fighting, I had actually – I was working in a club, and I got bottled in a club. Yep. Uh, and I decided that when I hit the ground and I didn't know what I was doing, that I might want to take a little bit of martial arts and actually learn to what I need to do in case to defend myself. Now, so that first sort of jump into martial arts, and so that wasn't like there was no competitive aspirations at that point. It was just more of a self-defense thing. Uh, when I first when I first went into martial arts, for me, I've always loved Muay Thai and kickboxing. MMA at the time was just getting around. Mm-hmm. Um, I always loved being competitive, and I never thought that I could actually make a career out of kickboxing or Muay Thai or any kind of martial arts. Mm. So, uh, so opportunity, I took it. Nice. Okay. So, how long between then that sort of first encounter with knowing that you wanted to get involved? How long between that and actually getting in the ring and having a fight? Um, I trained a total of eight days. <laughs> that's that's the quicker uh, that's the quickest turnaround. Then I've had a couple where it was like four weeks, two weeks, six weeks. You know, like I've had some quick turnarounds. Eight days is the quickest by far. Yeah, it was it was actually a really good feeling uh, when I had my first training session. They were impressed with my cardio. And then the the next day that we trained uh, after conditioning, we're all sitting around. They go, "Who all? Who all's fighting?" And I didn't raise my hand. And they asked me why didn't I raise my hand. And I just shook. I was like, "I don't know." They, you're fighting. I'm like, "Okay." <laughs> That's a very quick turnaround. But I like too that like how comfortable it was. It was just, "Oh, I guess I'm fighting." Okay, sure, I'll jump in. 
Yeah, it was definitely it was definitely something because I've always I've always liked to be competitive and just try to to see push myself to the limit and try to figure out anything else I want to try to do in life. Nice. Okay. So, and like at that point though, still there's no inkling that you can, you know, make a career or be a world champion. You're just wanting to jump in and have a go. Right. I just wanted to get into it and just check it out. Like once, once they said that I was good enough to fight, I'm like, okay, cool. Um, and then I did it and I was like, wow, this is amazing. This is exactly what I want to do. Nice. Okay. So then from there, like how long until, you know, you've taken that first fight eight days notice, which is insane. But to go from that to then, I guess, you know, diving in both feet and going, this is what I want to do. This is a full-time thing or a career or, or whatever it may be. How long between those? After my first fight, um, I actually walked out of the cage and walked to the promoter. And I was like, when can I do this again? Yeah, okay. I knew I knew pretty much the same night I had my first fight that, this is something that I want to pursue. This is something that I want to do for a long time. Nice. Okay. So wait, in the cage. So was it kickboxing in the cage? Actually, my uh, my first fight was MMA. I started off in MMA. Okay. Because that's one thing I wanted to ask because I know you're a, a purple belt in jiu-jitsu, yeah? Yes. Nice. So that was something too. So that was your first segue. So after that, then you've transitioned to Muay Thai and kickboxing. Right. After, I might have been maybe a month month and a half in the MMA and the coaches told me that uh, the way my style was, was more actually directed toward kickboxing and Muay Thai. Mm, okay. Um, I like to stand and bang. Um, if I've got to go to the ground, I'll go to the ground, but I would 100% rather stand up and trade. Yeah. Okay. Cause that's, I was interested to find that out being that, I mean, you're training at Phuket top team, obviously got uh coach Eric over there. Who's a killer too. I thought, oh, maybe that's something that you would do in the future. But that was your first experience with combat sports. Yeah, my very first in combat sports was MMA. The first guy that I fought had over 30 fights. Oh, wow. Okay. That's, um, and that's a, that's a dive in. Yep. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, when I was, I think it was like six and oh, seven and oh, I fought, I fought Paul Swinsky. Yes. Um, okay. And he was over 120, 135. He is a very experienced fighter. Uh, Paul the Sting. Yeah, absolutely. He's had a whole mess of fights. Oh yeah. Great guy. Humble guy. You know, we sat there and, uh, had a good, good two battles. He won both. Um, I believe he beat me a lot due to it. Uh, he was good. He was a lot better than I was at the time. Mm. Um, but now I think he beat me a lot with more experience. Yeah, he, very experienced guy. And those those that uh, don't know Paul Slavinsky, I mean, he's fought at the highest level as well, K1. Um, you know, very, very experienced guy. Okay, so from there then to – I want to know when was, the, I guess, the decision made to uh, – to pack up and move to Thailand. I'm always fascinated to find what people's, you know, sort of turning point was for that. When did they go, you know, this is it. I'm, I'm moving. I'm going to this other country. I'm going to this foreign paradise. When was it for you? When did you decide, you know what, I'm going to Thailand? I actually got offered, uh, I got offered a fight in China for Kunlun fights. Mm-hmm. Uh, first, I don't remember when it was, it was four or five years ago. Yep. Um, and I told them that I had not, I had been working a lot and I had not had a very successful camp that I did not believe that it would be a very good 
move for me to come over there and put on a very bad show. Mm-hmm. Uh, they called me back and asked, offered to send me to Sison Pinon in uh, Bangkok mm-hmm. uh, and said that as if they, if I believed that they could get me ready uh, within about two and a half weeks, I said yes. I went, I showed up, I, you know, met everybody, met the owner, Tim, great guy. Um, the very next morning, um, they knocked on my door. One of the trainers knocked on my door, uh, 536 in the morning, says, time to go run. <laughs> and they got me to, they got me out there working. I did my first training session that morning. And when they, the, when the trainer found out that I had a fight coming up, he was like, all right, you're not leaving. Now it's time to go. <laughs> and I absolutely loved it ever since. So, like, at, at that point, too, I mean, you've gone and done the fight for Kunlun in China. Um, you've then, what, left Thailand and then just made the decision to go back? Well, I uh, I got I won the fight, my first fight in Kunlun, um, and then my second fight in Kunlun, unfortunately, I did lose. Um, I met the owner of Phuket Top Team um, at, in China for one of my next fights. Mm-hmm. They, uh, I was offered a possibility for a sponsorship if I would consider it. Um, I said yes, and maybe within four or five months, I'd already packed everything up, sold what I could, and and left. Because that's that's such a great like, and I've I've had a bunch of people now on the chats who have had sort of similar, you know, that similar situation, that similar, you know, where it's it's just that decision. All right, no, this is it. This is what I need to do. So was like once the decision came up, that was it for you. Pack up, go, sell my stuff. I'm out of here. Oh, hundred percent. Um, now, I think for me is when I was a kid, I always told my mother I'd always move to Thailand. Yeah. Always okay. growing up as a kid. Uh, and my great uncle, you know, he always told her, he said, if he ever goes, you may never see him again. <laughs> and this was me when I was eight, nine years old and telling her I want to move to Asia. And she said, yeah, okay, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And my great uncle said, it. he said, if he goes, you probably will not see him again because he will stay. That's wild. And, that, and that's been five years ago that I've been here. Now, when you go to Thailand as well, because for someone like myself, I mean, I haven't done that sort of long-term stay anywhere. When you go yeah. there, is, is it the thing where you have to come out of country for the visa? Like, what do you, what do you have to do for that? Yeah. Every, every visa that you have to get for Thailand, you have to leave the country. Yep. Uh, you basically leave the country, go to a, a Thai embassy, fill out your paperwork, have your, every, all your information, everything you need to, um, to actually access and do everything you need to do. Yeah. Okay. Do all the paperwork. Okay. So like for me, I've had to, every time my visa comes up, I fly, I have to go out of the country. I go to Malaysia, Hong Kong, uh, Cambodia, Laos, everywhere. Okay. Because that's one thing that I've, you know, like I've often thought about. I'm like, how do you get around that side of thing? Obviously, with you guys being there training full-time, fighting and traveling for fights and things like that, I was always thinking, you know, does it ever get a bit tricky coming back into country? Like someone like yourself, you know, flying to China to fight and then coming back to Thailand, is that ever an issue? But if your visa's all good to go, you're good to go. As long as you keep your, your edu, your visa wise, your, uh, any type, if you have an education, if you have a work visa, if you have a tourist visa, mm-hmm. as long as you follow the, the government protocol and they'll say, Oh, well, I, and a lot of people will go, Oh, I didn't know 
what the protocol was. Mm. Well, there's a thing called Google, and it tells you <laughs> everything you need to know. Yeah. And it, it's actually, and I'm not going to lie, it's, I've done it. I've had questions. And I'm like, all right, I don't know the answer. People are like, it'll look at me and go, man, just Google it. Yeah. If you Google it, you'll probably find the answer. Nice. All right. So then with someone like that's, I, I use, um, I just make sure that every time that I go, obviously I'm still worried every time I leave the country that something's going to be wrong. Yeah. But I always make sure that all my paperwork and everything is up to date on point when I, it's time to go. Because that, I would imagine, you know, for the guys that are going over there and staying there but fighting, you know, more localized Thailand-wise, it's probably not as much of an issue. But for someone like yourself who's traveling for fights, I'd imagine that that thought would be in the back of your head. Oh, yeah, always. Mm. You're always, you're always worried that you're going you're gonna to leave your tropical paradise to go, you know, go fight in another country, come back, and then you're going to be going, well, I don't have any money. What's going on? Mm. Or, well, I... I'm out of the country and I can't get back in. Why? Mm. Yeah, that's wild. That's like just that, that little inkling, that little thought. I imagine that would be something that would come up quite often. But like you said, as long as you're dotting your, uh, dotting your I's, crossing your T's, making sure that you're doing your Google search and getting all the, uh, paperwork done correctly, you're good to go. Yeah. That's usually, I think the biggest issue is as long as you have, you find out the information you need before you go. You're not going to be standing in the uh, line at the airport and uh, for the Im- immigration and having the issue. If you got everything in order in line, normally there's never been an issue. Nice, nice. All right. Well, look. So, someone like yourself, then living in, you know, you're you're a living fighter at Phuket, top team, full time professional, world champion, like I mentioned earlier. What would be sort of like a regular day or a regular week for you training and living in Thailand? You know, session wise, breakdown, that sort of thing. All right. Well, like uh, when I get up in the morning, um, if I go to the Muay Thai in the morning, Muay Thai is at 7.30 in the morning to 9.30. Uh, the one thing that I have absolutely stopped doing is running. I don't run anymore. Mm. Um, I do zero running. Um, I do a, I'll get up, I'll do like 20 minutes of salt bike to a warm up and do where most people would do, you know, a one, two, three kilometer run to warm up. Um, I, I just get on there and I'll get on the assault bike and do a 20 minute warm up, do my sprints, uh, do, uh, do jiu-jitsu, Brazilian jiu-jitsu under a lava railroad. Mm-hmm. Um, during the day, uh, two days or three days a week. Uh, yeah. And then I get, I'll do, I got a conditioning class that I put together, mm-hmm. uh, to where I, I do like my Tabata hit style training. Yep. Um, I do that two to three days a week and a couple of other fighters join me mm-hmm. uh, just to basically push. Cause the one thing I pride myself on a morning thing is never gassing out ever again. Mm. Um, so I want to make sure that when I'm, when I am competing and fighting that no matter what it, it always will look like that I'm gassing out in a fight. I'm okay with that. Yep. Um, but I know that I can go like my last fight, the mass fight, I I knew that I could go a nine minute round and I would be fine. Mm. So that's one thing too, I'd imagine as a heavyweight, especially that's got to be like the ace up the sleeve. Cause that tends to be more heavyweights. You know, I mean, obviously it's not an uncommon thing for all weights, but for heavyweights, the conditioning aspect. So, I mean, that's definitely a skill in itself. Yeah. Um, the one thing, the, the way, here's how I look at cardio. 
I know that I have to do cardio. I know that I have to to have my cardio at a level to where the next guy is not going to be able to to keep up with me when it comes to the final because like you said, a heavyweight it's a very it's one of it's more of an odd thing to have a heavyweight who has very good cardio compared to a middleweight, a welterweight, a featherweight. Mm-hmm. Um, and my my idea on it is there's going to be two ways that I'll finish my cardio. I'm either going to finish my cardio or I'm going to die. <laughs> that's that's my options on the cardio. That's a good up. That's a good mindset. You know, you're going to finish it. I mean, you're finishing either way, right? Because <laughs> if and the people go, oh, but if you push it where you die, you die. Well, yeah, I die. Mm. I'm not going to be here to worry about it. <laughs> that's an, look, that's a good mindset with cardio. That's a good mindset to have. Don't get me wrong. It's not like we're, anyone's going to enjoy cardio, but you know, we're in a, we're in a sport that cardio is, is a number one thing that is needed. Mm, absolutely. No, agreed. And it's, that's, that in itself is, like I said, that's the ace up the sleeve for you. I think with having, you know, having knockout power. But being able to go the distance, knowing that you've got that, those rounds in the bank, because there's a lot of heavyweights that aren't going to have that. Right. Mm, no, that's a big thing. To, I mean, but it's not too different. There's lots of guys in lighter weight divisions. You know, as a smaller person myself, I know that there's plenty of guys with shitty cardio. Um, but like you said, because it's not glamorous, no one enjoys it, but you have to do it. You've got to have gas in the tank. Yeah, that was the one thing, like the smaller weight class. The three fighters that I can think of right now that I've never seen gas out was Clay Guida, mm-hmm. Nick Diaz, and Nate Diaz. Yep. And yeah, no. to watch, I love the way Clay Guida bounces around the entire time. And I like the way Nate and Nick are like, come on, come on, let's go, let's go, let's go. Mm. So I like to try to put those two a little bit together. I want to make you, I want to make you try to knock my head off as soon as we touch gloves. It's time to, Let's see what you can do. Mm. Now let's let's talk about that sort of knockout style too, because you mentioned the must fight. I mentioned it earlier as well. Like I was saying, the must fight very intriguing. What is it? It's one nine minute round, yeah. Yes, it's one nine minute round. Uh, knock. Only way to win is by knockout or submission. It's all stand up. You can throw, trip, sweep, elbow, punch, kick. The only thing you're not allowed to do is growing shot and headbutts. Nice. Okay. So, and now that's in that, that's in China, yeah. Well, um, uh, I had when I fought, we fought in Macau, China. Yep. Um, they just had a show, and I believe it was in the Philippines, and they're supposed to have another one coming up in Bangkok. Cool. Okay. Because I look the the longer round, it's almost that sort of throwback to the early days of MMA. Um, like those longer style, those 10 minute, 15 minutes open time limit rounds. And I do like the idea though, as well of that, uh, no knockout, no win. Uh, you know, like that is exciting as a fan. That's very exciting. Yeah. I like, I like the rules. I really do do the fact that I do pride myself on having cardio. Mm-hmm. I like the idea that I've got nine minutes to try to drown you. Mm. I like the fact that you might be faster than me. You might, you know, you might be quicker, more agile, more athletic. But if you can't breathe, you're not going to be. I'd like, that's one of the reasons why I like, I like to be able to push 
and be able to go for the whole nine minutes and just keep on just trying to drown them. I don't think people understand, too, like how long nine minutes feels when someone's trying to kill you. Nine minutes is an eternity. Yeah, it's a lot longer than you would think. (laughs) I think, too, like the first time that people sort of do any combat sports, like two minutes is the longest time. Oh, man, when I had my first fight, it was only 30 seconds. (laughs) And... Like when it was over, it was like, dear God, that was the longest for how long was it? Like, oh, like 30 seconds. And I'm sitting there thinking two to three minutes. Yeah. No, it's, it, it's true. I had like distance and at the time it, when I first started, it was horrible. Yeah. No, it's true. And look, that just goes back to as well saying that, you know, cardio, that's going to be your biggest tool as well. And especially in something like that must fight with nine minutes and you, the guy's going to be going hammer and tong because they need to try and finish you and you're going to try and take him into those later minutes and drown him. Right. Nice. Uh, that's another reason why I really like Lethway. Yes. Yes. Because it's five rounds and it goes to a draw. It goes to a draw. Mm. As well as if it's title fight, the last round's a 10 minute round. It's wild. Yeah. Lethway's. Lethway's. For me, now that's that's something I saw that you posted up about too, um, asking about BKB or Lethway. Is that something that you're looking to do? Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent. Either or, you're not fast. BKB, Lethway, either. Uh, uh, BKB, Lethway. Uh, I'd love to fight either one of them. Nice. Lethway's like for those that don't know, it's it's insane. I love it. I love watching it. Um, and I think, like a lot of people, I probably came across it because of uh, Dave LaDuke. Um, yeah. Who, who's I've had on the podcast. He's crazy as well. Um, but I know the homie Will Chope. He, he's done it a bunch of times now too, as well as BKB. And it, by all accounts, it pays pretty well as well. For those guys that are out there making a living doing this, it, I mean, that's, that's what it comes down to a lot of the time as well. Yeah, unfortunately, it's pretty much anything you do in life. You got you to gotta go for something that if it – if it's going to pay a little bit more, you, it's just like any promotion job. You got to keep at it. Mm-hmm. For sure. For sure. Now, look. Like, I like the idea of Lethway because I've got a very big head. And if I get the head buzzed, <laughs> I'm with a hammer or a sledgehammer. <laughs> that's a good point. Hey, I mean, if you can utilize all your limbs, if you've got one that's bigger than the other person's, 100% use it. And I watching it too, like those headbutts are the biggest game changer. Yes. It's insane. I think the amount of difference it makes to the clinch is crazy too. Yeah, definitely. You definitely have to modify your clinch when you know that someone can uh, headbutt you. Mm. For sure. Hand placement. Clinch, you can just hold the clinch. They can literally just headbutt you right from the clinch. Mm. You have to modify your own clinch. to Hopefully, you don't get headbutted. Mm. No, it's crazy. I love it. So hopefully, we get to see you in uh, the left way or BKB ring soon. That would be very exciting. You know, talking about then what's coming up, what, what's the plans for 2019? Have you got anything locked in that we should know about? Um, I don't have any any fight any fight scheduled right now. Um, I'm in the the uh, I'm making sure I'm in the area of the WBC Muay Thai that they know that I'm ready. I'm the number one contender in WBC Super Heavyweight. Mm-hmm. Uh, the guy who beat me last is the current title holder. Uh, I don't want to say his name. Rhinos Jazin Bulgram, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, his his brother's Yusuf Bulgram. Um, I want that rematch 
And that is that right now is my number one concern mm-hmm. is getting that title back. Nice. Um, on top of that, uh, I've been looking at doing Japan, possibly doing Japan for the IBJJF. Oh, wow. Cool. So that's, I figured that'd be something a little bit different. I was going to say, do, in. do you normally, do you normally compete in any grappling? Um, I've not competed in grappling since 2012, 2013. Okay, cool. So the idea for me to do it, for me, it's, I like the entertainment of the combat part mm-hmm. and just be one-on-one. Yeah. No, cool. I'd be very cool. And it's always fun to be able to travel, compete, and gain those experiences anyway. Hopefully, then, fingers crossed, you're able to get that rematch, though. And hopefully, something else comes up with Let's Way, BKB, Must Fight, and we can see you in the ring scrapping again soon. I'm hoping so. Hoping so. Fingers crossed. All right, look. Before we wrap it up, I'd like to give people a chance to get any plugs, mention shout-outs, anything like that they want to get out of the way. Let them know now, and when I post the video up, uh, we'll tag them in as well. Um, I, I'd like to thank Phuket Top Team for having me over here in Thailand. Um, for me, it was it's a it's a great opportunity. If people ever get a chance, they need to come over and check it out. Um, I want to thank my sponsors, Booster, uh, Booster Fightwear. They're, they push and... Um, they helped me get my equipment when I, I, I destroy gloves. Mm-hmm. Like I run, I would destroy gloves faster than probably any person should. <laughs> so I really appreciate their support. Nice. Cool. WBC, I'm coming back for it. I got to have it back. Let's get that strap match. Let's get it in. Let's get it happening. And then promotions, left way, BKB, anyone there looking to get Steve on, let him know, slide into his DMs, get him in the ring. Let's see him scrap soon. Yeah, definitely a BKB. Just to me, like I used to live in Lund- uh, Nottingham. Nice. Oh, right. cool. So for me, I actually get to see a couple buddies that I hung out with and trained with over there. And I learned a lot from my old coach over there, Owen Comrade. Mm-hmm. He was uh, Dan Hardy's, uh, one of the original striking coaches. Oh, cool. Very cool. Now, well, BKB doing big things. Um, so hopefully we can get you on the promotion over there. We'll, we'll just, we'll start day him. We'll start uh, tagging. We'll start posting up. We'll get you a scrap over there. Sounds good. Thank you very much. Cool, man. Thank you very much for coming on. I appreciate it. And uh, we will talk soon. Cheers. Take care. Cheers, brother.